Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. I am quite excited today to share with you one of our cornerstone resources. There are certain resources in our ministry that are absolutely essential. These are some of the things that we try to drive home in our mastermind students as they go through our online training. These are things that we share with those who come to our ministry and we want to share with you. There are certain concepts that we truly need to learn how to master so that we can practicalize these ideas into our lives. And one of those is the fear of man. Being managed by what other people think about us, being controlled by the opinions of others. That is a cornerstone resource for our ministry. It is an essential thing because it is a universal sin struggle that we all have to varying degrees. And so what I want to present to you is, is our definitive treatment on the fear of man, the fear of being controlled by the opinions of others. I have a resource here. I'm going to point you to it. I want to share with you all that is in this resource, and all of it is free to you. First of all, I'm going to share the article with you. It's more than 2,000 words. And then there is a podcast that's embedded. There's also a video of the same podcast and the article so that you can read, watch, and listen. There are also five infographics that are embedded in this article. And then at the very end, there is a call to action, some very practical questions. And again, I'm going to walk through all of those in just a few moments. And then at the very, very end, there is a one-hour keynote presentation. It is a visual webinar that you can show. Uh, You can watch it personally. You can show it to your family. You can present it to a Sunday school class or your entire church. It is very clear, very practical, step-by-step, a presentation of the problem and also the solution. And so all of that is gathered in this one resource. And here's the title of it, and this is how you would find it on our website, A Practical Plan to break free from being controlled by others. And so that's the title. Uh, You can type in break free, uh, being controlled by others, a practical plan. Any of those short phrases will get you to this primary article where you would find the podcast, the video, the graphics, and the webinar. This is a leadership resource. And so I would just encourage all counselors uh, that you would use this as a homework assignment for those people that you're walking through fear of man, because if you've counseled for any length of time, you have dealt with this issue many times because this is such a universal struggle. All right, so that's the resource. All of those goodies are inside of it. I want you to take advantage of it. And again, the title is A Practical Plan to Break Free from Being Controlled by Others. Let's go. When the only opinion in the room that matters to you is the Lord's, you are as free as you possibly can be. And may that be the summary statement. That is the goal. That is the objective. That is the place that we're heading to. That we're only managed by one opinion, and that opinion is God's opinion of us. 
And if you're like this already, then you are really like Jesus, a man who was not under the management of anyone else. Nobody could manipulate Jesus because the only perspective that mattered to him was his father's opinion of him, and that was the thing that controlled him. As Christ's followers, our goal is to be just like Jesus. And if we are, his example reduces the soul noise inside of us and permits us to live confidently in God's world. But sadly, too many people are under the spell of others because they crave their acceptance or maybe the other side of the coin, they fear their rejection. And so I trust that these resources that I've developed and that you can find here at lifeovercoffee.com If you struggle this way, may these be the first steps to breaking the fear of man bondage that controls too many of us. The primary text that I will use that many of you are familiar with is Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Now, like many verses in the Proverbs, we call them Hebrew parallelism because they lay out in a parallel format, one line stacked on top of the other line. Now, many times the first line, it is usually some kind of negative statement. As you see here, the fear of man leads to a snare. And then with the Hebrew parallelism, the second line, the positive one, well, it says something that is rather victorious and hopeful. And so the fear of man leads to a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is safe. And so if you struggle with fear of man, the top line of the verse, our goal is to get to the bottom line of the verse so that we can be free from the fear of man, truly trusting in the Lord. So as you think about it, it really begins in our hearts. The condition of our hearts sets the trajectory for how we're going to go. We're either going to land in a snare or we're going to land in safety. But if our heart is captured by fear, that is the condition of our hearts, then there is only one result. The fear of man leads to a snare. And our goal may be to get to safety, but we cannot get there if our starting point, if the genesis is a heart of fear. And so we have to address the heart so that it will change how our behaviors are on the outside, how we relate to other people. Fear always leads to enslavement, not safety in Christ. So to be safe and to be secure, we got to deal with the heart of the problem, the fear that's abiding in our souls. Within the human heart, there was always a tension between fear and faith. That is our great battle. That's why you would hear so many times in the Bible, fear not, or some version of that statement, because we struggle with fear, and the solution is faith. When fear wins out, the person will struggle with all kinds of forms of of insecurity. The insecure person wants to be safe, but fear of others holds them back. They have questions that are running through their minds. Will they hurt me? Will they reject me? Will you like me? 
And as the person becomes more securely established in the Lord, or at least when they become characterized and controlled by faith, the Lord will be prominent and they will experience safety. Now, I say characterized by faith because none of us can live perfectly in faith. When I interact with people, I don't want to uh, communicate to them that you have to have some kind of perfect faith, like you're always ascending on a line that never dips. That's not how real life works. But what I am looking at is the, the trajectory of the line. Is it going up even though it's dipping along the way? That is a person who is characterized by faith because none of us can live perfectly in faith. We regularly oscillate from fear to faith and back to fear again. No one has perfect, uninterrupted faith, though our general disposition should be stabilizing faith in God. And so what you have with the fear of man uh, in this verse in Proverbs 29, 25, there are two primary people, let's say. The fear of man, that's one, leads to a snare, but he who trusts the Lord leads to safety. And so there is a battle. Will I submit to the opinions of man or will I submit to the opinions of the Lord? When sinful fear is operative in the heart, other people will no doubt have influence and control over us. But when faith is operative in the heart, then the Lord will be managing us. And so it's our choice as to who or what will influence and control our thoughts. You see, we're not victims, and that's not something that I would ever want to communicate. Though we can feel more victimized than empowered when around certain people. I have been around certain people in my life, and, and I felt so managed and controlled by them. That's also the essence of gaslighting as well. And perhaps you are around powerful, opinionated, authoritative, harsh, unkind people, and it would be very easy to succumb uh, to that kind of cruelty from them. And that's where you need help. And if you are in a situation like that where you're basically being gaslit and manipulated by other people, that is not what the Lord wants for any of us. You don't want to be up under that controlling opinion of man. You want to be in a place of stabilizing faith in God so that you are managed by Him. But I recognize that that is easier said than done. And I know that some situations are more difficult than many of us can actually imagine. And so if you're in that place, it is not out of order. You're not out of line uh, to find some help in your local church. Reach out to someone who can help you to help keep your mind recalibrated to faith in God is how you want to be stabilized so that this oscillating other life that you live where you're managed by other people doesn't have so much power over you. And so when addressing the fear of man issue, it is essential that you target the root of the problem. The root of the problem will be different from the outward manifestations or the outward uh, behavior that you will see in somebody's life. 
the root of the problem will typically be fear, as this text in Proverbs 29 uh, mentions. The fear of man leads to a snare. And that fear will cause the resurfacing of, of outward behaviors that aren't representative of Christ that will uh, be manifest throughout that individual's life because they are captured by fear of the heart. Heart theology is a basic understanding of how sanctification works. Do not be fooled when you see the manifestations of fear in a person's behavior. Those outward behaviors should always point us to the entangled heart motivations. And so when you're helping a person who struggles with, as it's obvious, an outward manifestation of fear of man, automatically discern and know that that person has a tangled up heart. There's a warfare going on between fear and faith, and most of the time fear is winning. Now, even though I'm talking a lot about fear, because that's what the verse says in Proverbs 29, 25, you can continue to dig underneath that, and what you will find is the actual real culprit. I mean, ultimately, fear is not the problem. There is something that is even fueling the fear, and that is unbelief. You see, fear thrives in the soil of unbelief. And whenever fear rears its, sinister's head, its sinister head in our heart, it means the person is not trusting God at that moment. And of course, when I talk about unbelief, I'm not necessarily saying that the person is an unbeliever in a, in a salvific sense. It could mean that the person is an unbelieving believer, kind of like what we see in Mark 9, 24. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Many times, Christians can be practical atheists, and I am exhibit A. I have been saved. I am eternally secure in Christ, but sometimes my life is not beholding to or it doesn't represent a man who is walking in faith. That's why I use this little cliche of the unbelieving believer, very much saved from a salvation perspective, but yet we're oscillating, vacillating, wobbling, and unstable from a practical perspective, and it's like we can be practical atheists. Believe it or not, believing Christians struggle with unbelief. And fear will entangle the heart when they do. And so in real life, what you will see with a person who is uh, fear-motivated is that they're looking for approval for someone, from someone. They're looking for approval. And it doesn't mean that they're looking for approval from everyone, because sometimes when I talk about the fear of man, somebody says, well, no, I don't, I don't fear people. I don't fear anybody. But as you begin to tease out that, you will find, no, that's true. You, you don't, you're not afraid of everyone. You're not trying to receive the approval of everyone, but you're trying to receive the approval of at least someone. You see, fear of man is not an across-the-board, I am afraid of everyone kind of sin. You can be free from some relationships, but in others you will find a craving for approval or acceptance or respect. Or you can flip the coin over and the other side of the coin would say fear of rejection. All of those are synonyms, whether it's approval, acceptance, respect, love, significance, or a fear of rejection. All of those things are saying the same thing. Perhaps you have friends with whom you are entirely comfortable with. 
But then there are other people that tempt you to crave their approval or you fear their rejection. And in such cases, these people will have control over you. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place for any of us to be, that we don't want to give people that kind of power over us. And so our craving for acceptance, uh, it's like there are strings that, that, that control us, that manage us. And we're looking up to someone and we're saying, will you accept me? Will you love me? Will you respect me? Will you approve me? That person is very big in our lives, and it's like they are an idle carrier, uh, like a soda machine. It's not them per se that we really want. is something that they have. Uh, they have things like approval, significance, love, acceptance, respect, rejection. Again, six ways of saying the same thing. You can pick the one that speaks most closely uh, to your heart, but it's not the person per se, but again, it's the idol that they can give us. And I just mentioned six of those idols. And so when you are dealing with the person that struggles with the fear of man, you want to make sure that you deal with the idol factory. And so you want to identify the exact idol that is tripping them up. And what you will find in their world will be this big person, whomever it may be. And then you'll also find that they have a very small God. And when I use the term small God, I use it cautiously, I use it carefully, because I don't want the smallness of what I communicate to contradict the bigness of the problem. A small God in a person's life leaves room for a heart of fear. There is something that is broken in the heart of the person with a tiny God. There is a distortion about how they experience God, how they understand Him, how they discern God, think about God, how they know God. There's something distorted about their relationship with God because God is quite tiny in their life, and this big soda machine that dispenses acceptance and love and, res and respect, this big person, whomever it may be, is the one that manages them. And so this condition is a theological breakdown in their heart, or what I would call in a tongue-in-cheek way, a small God disorder. What began as shyness or introversion or peer pressure <clears throat> has now been diagnosed as a weak to a non-existent relationship with the Lord. And you must carefully diagnose both of those possibilities. It could be that the person is truly regenerated and they have a, a weak relationship with God. You might find that the person has a non-existent relationship with God. It's not just a small God disorder. It's like God is not existent in their life. They are totally controlled by the machinations of humanity because they do not know God. They do not have a, a fear-faith tension because there is no Christian faith operative in their souls. And so you do want to try to understand which problem it is, an unbelieving believer or an unbeliever, but either one will lead to the same conclusion. There needs to be an essential recalibration of their thinking to understand the issue, and the issue is a problem with God. 
The real snare is not primarily about people. The fear of man leads to a snare. The real snare is a problem with God. And if you do not discern and diagnose the heart of the problem, it will be impossible to change. Let me say this. If you do not know what to put off, then this essential first step to the change process will keep you from being free. What you have to put off is a faulty or non-existent relationship with God, an inferior relationship with God. That is the first thing that you want to address and put off. And again, if you don't address this essential first step in the change process, then they ultimately will not be free. The people under the management of the fear of man spend too much time thinking about themselves. It's their preoccupation thinking about themselves, not realizing that thinking more about themselves will only further their enslavement. It is a trap. The more you think about yourself, the more depressed you're going to become. The more you look into the haunted house of your soul, the scarier it's going to be. The solution for a person who is insecure is counterintuitive. They typically don't think this way. Typically, uh, they're told to elevate their self-esteem. What they don't realize is they already esteem themselves too much. And so rather than looking inward, that leads to further enslavement. The solution is not for them to become more prominent in their minds through elevated self-esteem. Fear always leads to morbid self-evaluation and introspection. They go around thinking, how do I look? Will he like me? What are they thinking? Did I say it right? How did I come across to others? Rather than being preoccupied with self-estimation, it would be better to esteem God and others more than ourselves. The goal is to have a bigger God which includes bringing people down to size. No person should have manipulative power over anyone, even though we often give that power to others. And when we crave things like approval and acceptance and love and respect from people, we are allowing them, we are giving them the ability to control us. To change requires a reorientation of the mind. We want God to manage our thoughts, not other people. What do you need? What drives your cravings? What makes you tick? Do you require people's approval? How you answer these questions determines how you will relate to others and live your life within those relationships. Do you need them? What drives your craving? Something that they have? What makes you tick? Their love for you? Do you require people's approval? If you need these things from other people, then you have given your power up to them. Either you will live to please people or... You will live in the freedom that God provides through His gospel. Think about it this way. If you need people, 
You will suck them dry, and your relationships will always be strained and fractured. You will never be happy because you'll be always going to the soda machine requiring more. Why don't you love me? Why don't you respect me? Why don't you prove me? Why are you rejecting me? It eventually just sucks relationships dry. But if you do not need people, you will be released to love and serve them as Jesus did. You see, Jesus Christ lived that life. Jesus Christ represents what life looks like when the Lord controls us rather than others. Though he was despised and rejected by men, though others did not count him, uh, did not control him with their disapproval, the opinion of his father absolutely managed him, controlled him. And we know how his father thought about him. The father's love for Jesus was, was off the chain. In fact, when Mark described the dynamic relationship between the father and the son, he said it this way in Mark 1.11, And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. The father was perfectly pleased with Jesus. Jesus could do no wrong. The Pharisees and other knuckle-headed people could say and do all kinds of things to Jesus, but he would not allow them to control him because he did not need them. He didn't need their approval. He didn't need their love. He wasn't afraid of their rejection because he was managed by the opinion of his father, and his father was well pleased with him. And so he moved through our world unbothered and untethered by what other people could do to him. He was a man under the authority of Almighty God. If you place your faith appropriately in the Lord, you will not be controlled. You will not be manipulated by what others may try to do to you. And that is your goal. Free from the power of the people. That is the only way to live. Imagine this, being wholly untethered from the opinion of others. That is perfect freedom. This kind of experience with God is one of my long, uh, lifelong sanctification goals. I have thought about this for years and years and years. As I watch Jesus walking through the gospel, I see a man who is perfectly free. He didn't need anyone. I'm not saying he was rude to people or unkind, but you see, if you need someone, you will use them. If you don't need someone, you're free to serve them. My lifelong ambition is to be completely, wholly untethered from the opinions of other people. I long to be truly free in Christ. Jesus was 100% untethered from others, but he was not distant, and he was not rude to others. He was free from others, but he was not apathetic about the depraved condition of others. There's no contradiction here. Being free from the opinion of people and caring deeply about people is perfect relational symmetry. Not controlled, but always loving. 
is the only way to fully and faithfully and successfully to pull off the two great commandments. Submitting yourself to God is your only option if you want to be mature. Either other people will capture your heart because of your desire to be accepted, or you will rest in the truth that God's opinion of you is positive, is unchanging, and is satisfying. Now that begs the question, how do you know God's view of you is always positive, always unchanging, and always pleasurable? Well, it's the gospel. The gospel tells us that God's view of us is always positive, always unchanging, and always satisfying. Because of the gospel, any Christian finds assurance by knowing God loves them and will always be for them. Just read Romans 8, verses 31 through 39. To experience acceptance from God, you have to accept the works of Jesus. God will never accept you based on your works. If you had to please God, if we had to please God, if any of us had to please God through our works to be accepted by Him, we would never please God. Our inability to please God is one of the ironies regarding the fear of man. Think about this. You will never able, you'll never be able to please others entirely with your works. That's the irony with the fear of man. They will never be pleased. You will always be going to the soda machine. You will always be requiring their love. You will never be satisfied, and they will never be satisfied. And by the way, you will never be able to please God with your works either. Ultimately, we can't please man, and we can't please God with our works. The difference between the Lord and people is the Lord gives you an alternative to gain His approval. You accept the works of His Son. I have no offering to bring to you. I can't please you with my works. I can't please man with my works. And so I'm going to take the works of the Son, Jesus Christ. God, would you be pleased with the works of the Son? People typically do not give you another option. You will always be a slave to those with whom you crave approval. What you did today to win someone's love will not be enough tomorrow or next week. Seeking the approval of others is an endless, exhausting cycle. By the way, it also breaks the first commandment. You're placing another God in front of you. The worship of other people's opinions put puts other gods between us and the true and living God. Now we have a complicated problem. It is straight-up idolatry that makes us a puppet to the vacillating opinions of, of a person or someone that we hope will like us. Worshiping God is not that way. Winning His forever approval was finished through Christ a way was opened through Jesus after he lived and died and rose and ascended to heaven. All a person has to do is get in the Son to be free. Get in Christ to be free. It's his works that we are presenting to the Father. In the Son is the place to feel and to experience the complete pleasure of the Father. If we are in the Son, 
The Father is pleased with the Son, and now He is pleased with us. The only way to please God is by having faith in His Son. Get in Him and feel God's pleasure, His approval, His acceptance. He will never reject you. It is odd for a Christian to continue to strive for the approval of others when God is holding out the free blessing of full acceptance through the works of Jesus Christ. The Father poured out His wrath on His Son. Christ became the satisfying sacrifice for anyone who wants it. He took our place. All we have to do is believe. Like Moses told the folks under the attack of the fiery serpents, look and live, which is all we have to do too. I am talking about a practical plan to break free from being controlled by others. Everything that I just shared with you is yours. I want you to get it under that title at our coffee shop, Life Over Coffee. The street address, lifeovercoffee.com. And inside of this article will be a podcast, a video, also a one-hour keynote presentation, a practical visual webinar that will walk through all of this, and then you will find five graphics that will help to visually communicate this. This would be a great lesson for any leader, any teacher uh, to lay out before uh, anyone because, honestly, we all struggle this way. I'm going to wrap up, but I do want to ask you a handful of uh, questions. Number one, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Are you in the sun? I talked earlier about the unbelieving believer, practical atheist, which we can be from time to time. But then there is another kind of person who struggles with faith. They have no faith in Christ. They are an unbeliever. And so if that is your condition, then that is the first step because you can never overcome peer pressure, codependency, fear of man, Whatever label you want to call it, you can never overcome it until you take that first initial step of get in the sun where you can begin to experience the pleasure of the Father through the works of someone else. And so are you a Christian? Are you a believer? How do you know? What do you base your faith on? Perhaps it would be good to meet with a friend and share your salvation story and explain to them why you are sharing your salvation story because it is the first step to being free from the fear of others. Question number one, are you a Christian? Number two, do you struggle with the fear of others? Is there someone you would like to accept you? Who is the person? Why are you this way? What has shaped you to fear others? Number three, what do you want from them? When you walk up to the soda machine, what idol is it that you want? Do you want them to love you, approve you? You want them to think that you're significant? You want them to respect you? You want them to accept you? You hope they won't reject you? Those are six of the idols that could be in the soda machine that they possess, and you want them to give you that idol. What is it that you want from them? And do you see how that craving can capture your mind and enslave you to that person? Number four, why does God not bring satisfaction to you? If these are our choices of, of having 
a faith, a practical faith in God, and we live in His approval versus living and, and seeking the approval of others, if we're pursuing the approval of, of others more than resting in the satisfaction of God, then it speaks to something about our relationship with God that's not right because this is more compelling over here. Why are you looking outside the fullness of Christ to find contentment through finite and fallible creatures? And then finally, number five, will you talk to someone about this struggle if it is a struggle with you? Maybe that you would begin a project that specifically details how to break free from the fear of man. Uh, That you can take advantage of this one-hour webinar that's in these notes here. The five graphics also, the video, the podcast. Meet with another person and y'all work through this. You'll also find links inside of this article that will take you to different places in our coffee shop that speak to this issue. This could literally be a six-month to one-year project, but what better way to spend your time if you're captivated by the fear of others? I have titled this, How a, I'm sorry, A Practical Plan to break free from being controlled by others. I trust this is beneficial. Uh, If it's something that's meaningful to you, then please take advantage of these free resources. They're all yours, freely to use, freely to benefit. And then also for those of you who are doing the work of discipleship, uh, if you would share those uh, with someone, use them as a homework assignment, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.